And you're evacuate where you're at. Your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where are we, Mon? You have this, what is it? Now it's Wednesday, it's hump day, that's your excuse? Yeah, absolutely. There's an excuse for every day of the week. Did you know that? Oh, I still think Tuesday and Thursday don't get excuses. Okay, next clue <laughs> for our quiz. What book am I? Terms such as a covenant, priest, and sacrifice are often found in this book. Hmm. Do you still don't know what it is? Priest and sacrifice. Are you yeah, serious? No, no, no. no. Oh, yeah, of course I know what yeah, it is. Right yeah, down. I came up with it last time. I just my, my my brain is a completely different place right now. My brain is in Berea. You're thinking about Joe May, right? No, Berea. What's Berea? You're about to find out. Okay, okay. But my, that was my where my brain was at. I've been to Berea. It's a place. May, have I been there too? Probably, probably. Just one of those places I've forgotten. I wish I'd kept like a, a travel journal when I was younger. And yes, you are correct. You've yeah. written it on a piece of paper and you and are correct. I was going to write it down on a piece of paper on the last one, but um, yeah. Too excited about JOMO. You had, FOMO, you had FOMO about JOMO. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. That was really great. Was I really enjoyed having uh, Christina. Yeah, I'd love to get Christina back to talk about. Yeah, I think about, we should have her as a regular. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like to get her to come back and talk about JOMO mm-hmm. with children. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge If you're one. a parent... Mm-hmm. What strategies can you do as a parent to create JOMO amongst your children? Yeah, that, that would and be For those key, of you right? going, well, I don't know who they're talking about. JOMO is the opposite of FOMO. FOMO is the fear of missing out and JOMO is becoming disconnected from yeah, the, your device. And the joy of missing out. It sounds like the joy of missing out. So you don't – yeah, yeah. because I guess because like I grew up without TV – and uh, and I, if I ever have kids, I kind of want the same sort yeah. of upbringing. Yep. But the thing is, you can't just be like, okay, we don't have TV, we don't have internet, you don't have phones, um, but I'm just, you know, just go do whatever you're going to do. You can still buy dumb phones. Don't know whether that'll be possible by the time that... Uh but I but like you've read. I'm sure you've read the quote from Ellen White where she says you can't just take things away from people. You have to give them something better. Give them something better. That's like yeah, replace it. Yeah. Replace it with something better. So you can't just tell your kids, oh, just go sit on the couch. There's no video games or movies or anything for you. Crack out the board games. You have ne- fun. Have yeah. a conversation. You need to. You need to replace it with Connect. something. Yeah. Enjoy each other's company. Yeah, go hiking, go camping, you know, teach your kids how to tie knots and make fire from sticks and, you know, there needs to be a replacement. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, those kind of things, I mean, not every a parent has the capacity to go camping or the time to go camping. So what is yeah, I mean, it was one of the, one of the comments that was ways. made. One of the comments was made that I, I met um, while I was camping on the weekend. Um, yeah, a guy I've never met him before, but we had a great time together, really enjoyed connecting with him. And, you know, he just, he was just so thankful at the end of it. And, you know, he's invited me to go out and do things with him, you know, in the future. And it's just, you know, it's just, his, his comment at the end of our camping trip was, it's so good to be able to just enjoy the simple pleasures of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we were enjoying the simple pleasures of conversation because there was no mobile service. Yeah. And you can keep pulling your mobile out of your pocket to see, you know, what's happened on the latest conversation on my social media. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I th- when you sell it to someone, we're just going to sit in a chair around a campfire in nature and just chat. And stare into the fire and chat. And it sounds super boring, just sitting in the bush It is the talking. best. It is so and relaxing. And it's amazing. And yeah, it's amazing. And you we know, just- campfire was man's first television. <laughs> the best. I like that. No, it's the best television. Ever. Have you ever noticed you can sit in front of a campfire and just stare yes, into it? Yes, for hours. Just stare for into hours. it. And you're just super relaxed and you can just... 
you can just be happy. Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoy campfires. But two, yeah. two best televisions ever inv- invented was the campfire and the fish tank. <laughs> like the best TVs ever. <laughs> That's true, though. Have you? Do you know what? Um, in uh, down in Sydney at Darling Harbour, there they have um, what's that? What's Sydney, oh, Sydney Aquarium. That's what's called, right? Yeah. And when you go through the little trail and you look at all the fish, and at the very, very last point, and there's like a bench, and there's a huge uh, floor to ceiling. Um, glass wall mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, behind it it's mm-hmm. not so much a fish tank as like a fish grotto it's like a fish world mm-hmm. I have sat on that bench for hours just mm-hmm. hours in fact like cause I've been a couple of times with different tourists <clears throat> often I'll just skip everything just go to the end and just sit there and look at that look at that thing yeah it's the best wall. part it's just it amazing. is the best part of the whole aquarium I, I, I think it's even better than the under you know the, the tunnel bits and all that yeah yeah it's even better than the um than the the <coughs> dugong what's a dugong yeah, dugong. It's better than the dugong, the the mermaid fish thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Acts chapter sixteen, encounter with God. This is where we are up to, and oh, yes, we so were reading about the jailer, story of the jailer. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's go back. I want to I want to review some things on the story of jailer because I want to bring up a really important point here in relation to baptism. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Romans. I was going to say Romans. Ro- I was Ro- looking at. I was looking Ro- at Romans. Ro- Ro- you boat, Lyle. You're rowing somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wednesday, you're so funny. Okay, Acts chapter sixteen, and we'll start down in. Where do we start? Okay, there was Lydia. Uh, there was the damsel. The young lady. Uh, there was the imprisonment. Um, we did all of it. Sixteen. Yeah. Okay. I want you to go down to uh, verse twenty-nine mm-hmm. through uh, through to verse thirty-three. And don't forget to tell us about this place that you've been to. <laughs> oh yeah, we're getting to that. It's okay. coming. It's coming. Okay, 29. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of God with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So in Christianity, there are kind of two different ways of preparing for baptism. Uh, Actually, we should say three. Okay. Uh, If we include infant baptism, which is, that's more sprinkling rather than baptism. Uh Uh, So I'm not really talking about infant baptism, but um, immersion baptism, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is what the Bible teaches. There are kind of two different ways of preparing for it. Some churches teach that you confess the name of Jesus Christ, profess belief in him, and they'll baptize you on the spot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In this kind of a church, you might have an evangelist who makes an appeal. A bunch of people go down the front. He has a a tank there ready to go, and he just baptizes them on the spot. And if they weren't prepared for it, well, they go home in wet clothes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No questions asked, nothing like that whatsoever at all. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you have those who say, no, you need to be prepared for baptism. You need to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we're not like you know a used car salesman who just wants to get your signature on the on the on the contract of the 
you know, of the you know on the bottom of the page on the contract and doesn't want you to read the fine print. Mm-hmm. No, we're not like that. We want you to read the fine print. We want you to count the cost of discipleship. And once you've made an intelligent decision, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with my whole heart. Then you get baptized. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that is based on Matthew chapter 28 where the Bible says go and teach all nations and then baptize them. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it, uh, you know, it's a way of people becoming Christians without feeling that they were ripped off. You know, you baptize somebody and then after you've baptized them, like, well, okay. Oh, P.S. This is yes. what it means to be a Christian. <laughs> uh-huh. And they're like, wait a minute, what have I signed myself yeah, up for? Yeah, I do think people should know what they're getting into before they go and jump into it. Okay, so but we've got these two conflicting yeah. ideas here. Yeah. I think because- and Matthew 28 is going to be your basis for mm-hmm. people like myself who mm-hmm. say we're going to explain to you what it means to be a Christian before you're baptized. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want you to feel ripped off. Mm-hmm. Um, Acts chapter 16 is the basis for those people who say the moment that you profess Jesus Christ, get in the water. Mhm. Mhm. All right. So which one? I think the confusion is not particularly because of those two uh, those three options. I think the the confusion is actually from what I have heard in like my personal experience within a Christian church. Um, the, the because I have heard different parties argue this within mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. own church, and, but the but the argument usually seems to be that they're the person who's getting baptized is not ready mm-hmm. in that they're not perfect enough yet. So someone oh, is okay. seeing oh. them, seeing them like sin or mess up or they don't, they don't seem <laughs> quite judgment. Christian enough. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And they're like, oh, you're not ready to be baptized. And I think that's wrong because b- baptism is not a confession of perfection. Absolutely. It's not like I'm now and this is one of the challenges that I've had, you know, as a pastor mm-hmm. at times because I've prepared somebody for baptism and people have come to me and said, you know, you can't be baptizing that person because... Uh, you I know, saw this and that yeah. and mm-hmm. the other. And I say, well, they've made this profession. Like, yeah, but they haven't really made a profession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, that's pretty judgmental. How do you actually know that? You know, that's dangerous. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And this is one of the really important things when you're preparing someone for baptism is that it is not about the impression that you have. It's not about your gut feelings. It's about the profession that they make. Mm -hmm. You know, your gut feelings might tell you, you know, this person is just doing it, you know, and I've seen this happen, Mm -hmm. to get a visa. Yeah. Okay. So they've come from an Islamic country. Mm -hmm. They are studying in Australia. Mm -hmm. They are... Uh, they, they they want to stay in Australia. They want to they want to get refugee status. It's a capital offence in the country that they come from for, for come from for them to convert to Christianity. Oh. So they convert to Christianity, get baptized, take some photos, and then apply for refugee status because they they'll be executed if they get back. Oh, if they go back, snaps. That's sneaky. Okay, so I've seen this happen. Yes, and the thing that uh, that goes through my mind is this. Okay. If you suspect that this is a fraudulent baptism, a fraudulent baptism, do you deny the person baptism? That's hard, isn't it? No, it's not. Is it? It's not hard at all. But how do we know? Because if they profess Jesus Christ, that's the point. You don't. Mm. And 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 our decision to baptize someone is not based on whether we know their heart or not. Okay, so if, if you go as a pastor, do you baptize them? If it was a fraudulent, if it was a fraudulent baptism, is there like fault on your hands, or is it like do you know what? No, absolutely not, because they're the one who uh, who made the fraudulent profession of faith. So really, no one is particularly like 
in in like criminated by other than the person who's doing it. This yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I've had church members come to me and say, you know, we, we think this is going to be a fraudulent baptism, so you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But how do you know that? Yeah. You know, how can you judge what's in mm-hmm. a person's heart? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. That's, you know, that's, that's not something that is possible for us to do. And it's not our job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to accept a person's profession, regardless yeah. of our gut feelings on it. So, a, a, like the the baptism profession is like saying I want to follow Jesus, as opposed to I am now perfect enough to be baptized. <laughs> yes, um, <clears throat> the people who are who are looking for perfection in the other person before they're baptized should probably take a little bit of a look at themselves. Mm-hmm. So, what about if you uh, have someone who wants to get baptized but is, for example, smoking or drinking? Okay, so here's here's the here's the principle with baptism. Baptism does not take place when you are perfect. Mm-hmm. Baptism takes place, and I'm going to say this and don't misunderstand what I say, mm-hmm. when you have made a decision to be perfect, okay, which okay. you will never be. <clears throat> That's true. Okay, so here's how it works. Every person is going to be tempted. And if you've got somebody who is uh, an alcoholic or addicted to you know any kind of drugs, um, you know, the, obviously this is not something that is in line with God's word. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very, very clear about that. That is not something that is a part of being a disciple of Christ. Yeah. And being baptized is a public demonstration of the change that has taken place in your life that you are now a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so let's say a person comes to baptism and you've got two different options here. Let's say that they're an alcoholic. Mm. The Bible condemns alcoholism. True. In the plainest, strongest language. Very much so. Uh, and, and so they come, they're like, yes, I'm an alcoholic, I want to be baptized, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. The question is not, will you never drink again? Mm-hmm. That's not the question you ask. Mm-hmm. The question is, have you made a decision never to drink again? Mm, okay, yep, yep. There's a difference between those yep. two. Because somebody who has made a decision never to drink again is struggling against their temptation and is making their life of open to the power of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is like, no, I'm an alcoholic, I intend to remain an alcoholic, is making a profession that, no, I have not accepted the power of God's grace and I'm not making provision for God's grace to change my life. And that is not a person who's made a full surrender to Christ. Baptism is a full surrender. It's, it's death. You know, death is a 100% kind of thing. There's no such thing as being half dead. I know you sometimes feel that way, <laughs> but it doesn't actually exist. <laughs> Okay, so let's say someone, uh, you know, alcoholic, um, decided to get baptized, um, clean up their life, whether it was before or after, doesn't really matter. And uh, and let's say like three years down the track, they have a relapse. Oh yeah, back into alcoholism. Mm-hmm. But then they, um, through, you know, the power of Christ, they conquer that. Do they have to get rebaptized now? This is an individual circumstance. Okay. Uh, where it comes down to, okay, have they, you know, made an about face in their life and walked away from God? And if they have done so, then there is, you know, the Bible says, go back and do the first works. Mm-hmm. You'll find that in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, sorry, in Revelation chapter 2. Mm-hmm. In Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says that the first works involve baptism. You know, this is, one, this is the start of, uh, of, of you know, this is when you're on the racetrack. Now you've got a racetrack in front of you, but to get onto the racetrack, baptism is a part of that. Okay, okay. And, then, and then you're going to run that race. And as you're running that race, there are going to be times when you stumble and fall and skin your knee and bump your head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, 
Um, and if it's a if it's a case of you know you've stumbled, you've fell, you've skinned your knee, you've bumped your head, you do not get rebaptized every time you sin. Mm-hmm. Could be baptizing every day. <laughs> exactly. You get rebaptized when you make a conscious decision to walk away from God, mm-hmm. and you come back to God. Okay. Okay. Yep. I can see that. And there is a difference between those two. Okay. Uh, so yeah, if uh, and and this is one of the things, the great things about the communion service, mm-hmm. and which is missed by many um, Christian churches today. Historically, mm-hmm. uh, most Protestant churches used to practice foot washing as a part of the communion service, which you find Jesus tells us to do four times in John chapter thirteen. He tells, he instructs his followers four times to do this, mm-hmm. and it's like a mini rebaptism. It has the same symbolism to it of washing and cleansing with water. And uh, it's a a great opportunity to recommit your life to God and put away those things that have, you know, crept into your life as a nasty temptation over the, you know, over the however long it was before you did, since you did communion. So are there any examples of rebaptism in the Bible? Or is oh, this yeah. something that we've invented? No, 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 not at all. Go to uh, Acts chapter 19. It's coming up. Oh. Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 1, the Bible says, It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and found some disciples and said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, We've never heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. Then Paul said, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, uh, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. So how many times were these people baptized? Twice. Yes, this is a biblical principle. Being Mm -hmm. baptized more than once is a biblical principle. And I want you to notice what it was here. These were not people who had walked away from God. This is a different circumstance. Yeah, I was just thinking that. These are people who had never heard of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question. If, you'd, if you're a Christian, you've never heard of the Holy Spirit, then you hear and learn about the Holy Spirit. Is that going to be a life-changing experience for you? Oh, for sure. And this is what baptism is, is a symbol of. It is a symbol of a life-changing experience. Okay. And so when you learn new doctrines, new truths, you know, we should learn new things every day. Yeah, I was going to say. But I'm talking about life changing mm-hmm. doctrines, life changing truths. Yeah. Big ones. The fundamentals. Yeah, the fundamentals. Then it's entirely appropriate to choose to be baptized a second time. And that second baptism is never in any way, shape, or form diminishes or a denial of the first baptism. Mm hmm. So this is this would be like an example for people who you know maybe say they grew up in one church and they were baptized in that church, but then they found out you know biblical truth, um, you know doctrinal foundations, and um, and you know it led them to a different church. Is this why they get baptized? Not necessarily because they're joining another church, but because they found out new truth in the Bible. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly gotcha. what. It is. So you've got two principles there for baptism. One is when you have made a conscious decision to walk away from God mm-hmm. and the other is where you have uh, life made changing yeah, life, changing, life, oh. life changing new experience. Very interesting. Tell me about this place that you mentioned before. No, 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 no. I'm, got the, I'm finished there yet because <sighs> I want to come back to this point here okay. because I'm one of the – I'm I, within Christianity, I'm a part of the camp that takes a very strong stand that we should 
explain to people what it means to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says, count the cost mm. of being a disciple. Mm-hmm. Come let us reason together. And when, you know, he actually made that statement when he had multitudes of people who were following him because of, you know, he'd been handing out loaves and fishes. Mm-hmm. And so he had huge crowds following him. And he's like, okay, you guys need to count the cost of what it means to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that a, you know, a person needs to do that before baptism. And yet here, it seems we have a, a situation where this guy got baptized before the night was even over, before they even had breakfast. Yeah, yeah. What happened there? Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? Jesus, I 
You're listening to Andrew Peterson with He Is Worthy here on Faith FM as we continue on. And I think we still have a uh, another clue for our quiz. Yes, we do. Okay, this is the final clue, Lyle. What book am I? My 11th, my 11th chapter is often referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. That's a really easy clue. That's a really easy clue. It should be an easy clue. That's our last one, so it's an easy one. Is that our last, last one? I've got one more for you that I've made up myself, but I'll give it to you before we do the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a call, guys. 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer or shoot us a message on social media. We had a few... uh, Answers come through on social media from people uh, just, uh, after bragging rights? Yeah, we're after some, after some bragging rights on uh, Instagram. So all the clues are up on Instagram now. Okay. They've been up there for a while, but yeah, still hasn't, the prize hasn't been snapped up yet. Prize has not yet been snapped up. Okay, very good. Uh, but well done for all those who are interacting. Okay, so we were talking about baptism. We were talking about... Uh, well, what, what, well, we're, what? we're talking about how, like, you know, we both agree that people should know what they're signing up for before they get baptised, which could take a while, for, you know, to explain it to people. For but people this story really contradicts it. This story, on the other hand, this guy, like, found out about stuff and got baptised on the same day slash night. Absolutely. So, 24-hour and, and, period. And, and there are many Christians who would argue that this story is completely against the stand that you and I are taking. I'm sure there's a loophole somewhere. Okay, so if somebody comes to you, Mon, and they're like, okay, this is what you teach, this is what you believe, you know, that the person should be should understand what they're going to do before they're baptized, mm-hmm. and you're like, yep, 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 um, and then they say, but okay, in this story, they meet the jailer at midnight, mm-hmm. they, the, 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 the jailer asks, what, what does he need to be, do to be saved? And by dawn, they say, they say believe on Jesus Christ. They go to his family. They say to his family, believe on Jesus Christ. The jailer and his family believe in Jesus Christ. They get baptized. Then they go and have breakfast. Okay, but the Bible doesn't say anything about, um, you know, what the jailer was taught beforehand because he clearly knows he needs to be saved. Uh, the question he asked is now pretty indicative. You, now you're yeah. getting... Now and you're Paul getting and Silas song. were singing the whole time. So what's not to say that, you know, before they started singing, they were, you know... Uh, Preaching to them. Okay, so here's a couple of th- a couple of points to bear in mind, mm-hmm. because you do have instances, say for instance, the Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, the Ethiopian was clearly a follower of God and knew mm-hmm. the Bible, you know, inside out, back to front, and upside down. Mm-hmm. For a Jew, for a practicing Jew at that time, all they needed to do to come to Christ was accept Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, stop doing a number of things. And accept Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so for a practicing Jew, this was something that they could do uh, straight away. Yeah. And so you've got people being baptized straight away. And there's plenty of instances similar to that. This is probably the most dramatic one that you'll find in the, in the New Testament. With this jailer, how do we know that he wasn't a Jew? How do we know that he wasn't in the synagogue when Paul was preaching there? How do we know that he wasn't a believing Gentile? Mm. How do we know that he hadn't been listening to Paul all week long? Yeah. How do we know that he wasn't already under very, very deep conviction? All that we know is that he was ripe fruit to say and they that. Him. Yeah, that's right. To say that this passage is a justification for instant baptisms, no questions asked, is an argument based on silence mm-hmm. and based on a whole list of assumptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to and to follow biblical practice based on a long list of assumptions is never a good idea. You know, how do we know that he wasn't in the same category as, say, Cornelius? 
Yeah. You know, Cornelius had been a follower of God and yet was uncircumcised for many years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and done many wonderful good things for God and for God's people. I mean, but just the question that he asked gives it away. What must I do to be saved? It just speaks is not, of an understanding because usually if you speak, that's right. Usually, someone who like does know anything about it would like the first question is like, "Who is God?" Your standard, your standard Greek uh, who follows the Titans and the Olympians wouldn't be asking that kind of question. Mm-mm. Yeah, this is not the, this is not the language of a pagan. <clears throat> this is someone who understands. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I think you've raised a really, really valid point there and, and uh, I know that you want us to talk about Berea and I'm just looking at the clock and maybe we'll talk about Berea tomorrow. Oh, come on now. You know I love travelling. <laughs> Let's talk about Thessalonica. Okay. Have you been to Th- Thessaloniki? Yeah, yes. Yes, yeah, a cool place, eh? Yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed going there and there's some awesome rooms, great uh, castle up on the hill, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And big statue, of course, of Alexander the Great down on the waterfront, who is the most fa- famous Macedonian to ever live. True story. Don't know yes. anyone more famous than him from Macedonia. And then, of course, you have all of the debate. Was he Macedonian? Was he Greek? Uh, Depends whether you ask a Greek or whether you ask a Macedonian. Macedonian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> True anyway, story. Anyway, let's go to Acts chapter 17. Mm-hmm. And if you could start reading for us in verse 1. Paul and Silas then travelled through the towns of Amphiopolis, I'm so sorry, and Apollonolis, and came to Thessalonica. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Wednesday. I'm using this excuse too. And came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Amphipolis and uh, what was the other one Apollonia. There? Apollo- oh, yeah, Apollonia. Apollonia. Uh, there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Mm -hmm. It's interesting here what the Bible says, that he goes to the synagogue and for three days he preaches in the synagogue and teaches in the synagogue and you know puts forward the arguments in favor of Jesus Christ. This results in... Mm-hmm. The Bible says a number of people becoming followers of Christ. That's the first thing. Then it goes on, and so we've got a number of Jewish people, but a great number of Gentile people. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating because clearly Paul's arrival now has stirred enough interest that not only are the Jewish people turning up in the synagogue, but there's a whole bunch of Gentiles who are turning up to hear what is this all about. Yeah. And far more of the G- Gentiles become believers than the Jews. Well, we discussed that before with the Jews not having like the um, the the Jews having the, you know, they've, they've had Yeah, their, having a whole barrier, a wall yeah, of separation. Right, right. Absolutely. I can't think of the word, but there yeah. it is. And, and it mentions a few prominent women as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is... Um, which is good for the cultural context of the time when this was not something that you would uh, typically find or make note of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, continuing on. But some of, the, some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason. So oh, no, you've got you to read what it says in the Old English. Oh, go on. Yeah, 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 this is good. Um, but the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows <laughs> of the baser sort. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? I love lewd it. fellows of the baser sort. 
Have you ever met a lewd fella? I think probably we all have on an occasion (laughs) (laughs) off the basis. Oh, dear. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. Okay, so there's an interesting story. A story that seems to repeat itself from one city to another. Mm. Of course, the Jews stir up, you know, the... the those who are uh, jealous, are jealous, but they also stir up those who are just out there for a good riot. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's always people out there like, yeah, let's have a great riot. This would be so much fun. Yeah, lewd fellows. Yeah, yeah. Of the base of, of, sort. of the base of sort. <laughs> and uh, and of course they make all kinds of false accusations in an effort to get them thrown out. Of course they don't find Paul uh, and Silas at this time. Anyway, we're going, we're going to be back with more of the story of Paul right after. This. this world is a wicked place Filled with snares for our fallen race and so this day we seek your grace You raise our child in your ways You gave him life, you let him grow We have him now to love and hold But time will come When sorrows like sea 
You were listening to Chris Rice with It Is Well With My Soul here on Faith FM. We still have a quiz out there that has gone unanswered. And Mon, you did promise another clue. Yeah, a homemade clue for this mm-hmm. quiz. It's a what book am I? Mm-hmm. This is uh, uh, this is the favourite book of all New Zealanders. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, shout out to my little uh, brothers for that joke. <laughs> we, we, love, we love our Kiwi mates. We love giving them a hard uh, time and stirring them up every now and then. Our Kiwi brothers. Uh, okay, so we have come to our question of the day, Lyle. We have. It's a good question. It's come on, uh, coming from. Oh, I, have, I need to look up the. I need to look up the people's names before I start this second. <laughs> you probably second should. Time Mom. That I've forgotten the person's name. You probably name. should. Anyway, I think it might be Ian. I, but I said that last. You time said that. It's not Ian. It's not Philip. Okay, sorry. It's somebody else. Sorry, I've forgotten your name. But the question is a really, really good question. Um, why do I have to be tied to any one particular church? Why can't I just be a child of God? Okay, so there's a number of different aspects to this question. One of them involves truth and being a follower of truth, and the other involves the whole concept of church. So I'm going to begin with the concept of church. Go for it. Uh, because if you're not tied to a church, then you're not a member of a church, you're not a part of a church, and church is a concept that God invented. Mm-hmm. It has been here since the very beginning, and of course, God doesn't give us anything without a purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 3, where the Bible says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy gathering together. You shall do no work there, and it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So that's a great day for having some Jomo right there. I've been talking about a lot about Jomo this morning. The joy of missing out on being connected to social media. But uh, that aside... The Bible says that every Sabbath day is a day that we are to have two things. One, it is to be holy, and two, it is to be a gathering together. So combine those together, and what you have is church, a holy gathering together. You can do that in many, many different contexts. But that's what God calls us to do. If you go over to the book of Luke, you find the example of Jesus. And once again, you can mess up your life in a lot of different ways. One way that you can never mess up your life is by being a follower of Jesus. Oh, amen. So if we go over to the book of Luke and we find out what was Jesus' habit, uh, we'll go back to Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his habit was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So it was Jesus' habit to go to church on Sabbath mm-hmm. and to read the Bible on Sabbath. He would sit around with the other you know, believers there in Nazareth. They would discuss the Bible together. Mm-hmm. So if this was Jesus' habit, if it was something that he did on a weekly uh, basis on the Sabbath day, then it's good enough for me. You know, I'm quite happy to follow the example of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Then if we go over further in our Bible, so we're just sort of starting at the beginning and working our way to the end, and we go to the book of Hebrews... Pause right there. Think about that. That's not a clue. Uh, Okay, Hebrews chapter 10. And let's go to verse 23. The Bible says this, Let us hold fast or hold tightly the profession of our faith without wavering for his faithful that, that promised. Okay, so how do you hold tightly to the profession of your faith? 
Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, when we talk about provoking somebody, it's not usually in a positive context. It's usually in a rather negative context. But this is a positive context. Rather than provoking them to anger, provoke them to do good things. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, provoke them to love and to good works. And then it tells us what we are not to do. What does the Bible say that we are not to do? Not forsaking or not giving up on the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Okay, so there are some out there who say, yeah, you don't need to be a you don't need to go to church or be a part of a church to be a Christian. That might be possible, but it is very very rarely successful. Mm. And Paul says, don't do it as some people are advocating. And so if you are advocating, then don't advocate that either because then you are against what the Bible says right here. And then it goes on and it says so much the more, in other words, it's going to become intensely more important the closer you get to the return of Christ. Okay, so we've established that you need to be part of a church. If you, you know, it's a little bit like a fire. If you have a fire and it's burning hot and you take one coal out of that fire and you put it by itself, what happens? goes out. It goes out. We all know that. We all understand that. And that's exactly what happens within Christianity. And people say, oh, yeah, but there's full of hypocrites at church. Well, guess what? You're the greatest of them all, so mm-hmm. don't worry about it. You're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <coughs> um, and and, and let's, let, let's be honest about, uh, about that with ourselves. Okay, so then we've established that you need to be at church. Then how do you choose which church do you go to? The one thing that you should choose your church on is based on the message that God has given to that church. And you need to set your standard at the highest level, not the lowest, the highest level of truth, study your Bible, and go to the church that is the closest to the Bible, the teachings and the practices of the Bible that you can find. If you do not make that your standard of choice, then you have actually chosen for mediocrity, like I'm happier with a lower standard, and that should never be the case if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much for answering that. Lyle, if you have a question, you can contact us here at Faith FM. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Send us all your questions. We love to hear them.
Sarah Sample with I Need the Every Hour here on Faith FM and we have come to the end of our show. And so what are we giving away today, Mon? Oh, I thought we might give away a wonderful book called Help in Daily Living. Oh, cool. A practical guide to everyday blessings. Uh, following on from our interview today with uh, Christina Crooks about uh, jo- JOMO. JOMO. Joy of missing out. and yes, being um, disconnected from uh, yep. your devices. Yep, and uh, experiencing real life. And I thought, you know what? People... We want to have a happy life. We want to have better lives. This is why we're all interested in this new thing, JOMO, you know, and, and tips on how to stop wasting time and losing our lives down a, down a screen. And, uh, and so this, I thought this book, you know, fits in perfectly with that. It does. Um, and on the back it says, Often our plans fail that God's plans for us might succeed. Are you searching for life above the ordinary? Do you want true and lasting relationships or a, a genuine godly character and a practical everyday faith that fills your life and the lives of those you touch with blessings? If so, this is the powerful book that you exactly need right now. Thousands have learned to live successful Christian lives by incorporating the down-to-earth everyday guidance found in this book. Each chapter is a treasure chest filled with rich gems of wisdom for getting along with yourself, with others, and with God. It even recommends that you carry this book with you and you read a page or two in your free moments and memorize some of the gems. Um, Put the words into practice and you'll find that life will become richer and more meaningful. And I actually truly believe it because this is written by E.G. White, um, whose advice has just been gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, every step of the way. So help in daily living, a practical guide to everyday blessings from E.G. White. Call us now. First person through gets a free copy of this sent to them. Uh, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. And, of course, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, give us a call. We can arrange for you to uh, study the Bible with somebody else in a small group setting, uh, online, uh, many different methods, and we can arrange that anywhere in the world. But right now, stay tuned. We have uh, some more great programming coming right up.
hangga so 